Hi, welcome to the podcast called This Guy Edits. It's me with my friend Tyler. Tyler, how are you? Good, Sven Papa. So basically what we're doing in this podcast is we're feeding you a good diet of great films. That's really the main thing that you can get out of this podcast. Because we want to inspire you. Yes, it's about editing and we're going to take a look at scenes and take them apart and figure out what we can learn from them and apply it to our own work and possibly you can do the same. But I think it's really an opportunity to look at great films, look back at them and inspire you to just put yourself on a diet of excellence. Because if you're out there and you're an athlete and you want to perform, what do you do? You look at your diet, you train, you exercise your storytelling muscles, but you also eat well. And watching these films, I think, is just uh, exactly what we all should be doing. Is because it just uh, makes us so much cleaner and more aware of what's great storytelling and wanting us to achieve that same level. That's my message. I hope I brought it across. That's why we're doing this. And... I really yeah. enjoy the fact that every week we get to see a film that maybe, like this one, for example, I haven't seen in years. I actually, I forgot a lot about it, so I had to rewatch it. Yeah, and it's a little fun to st to stink, to sneak a stinking piece of crap in there, too, and, and talk about that. Exactly. But you have to subscribe to the podcast for the day that that happens, and tell a friend about the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you are listening to us. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Just moving on through life. How about yourself? Uh, well, it's Halloween now. It's the actual holiday of Halloween, which we made an episode for last week, which I feel like I owe an explanation to the listeners about. Oh, yeah. Why? <laughs> well, thankfully, we had some things pointed out that were inaccuracies in the podcast uh, in YouTube, which is great because that's why we do this. But also, the, the only bummer is that They were things I realized were inaccuracies, but because of the way we do this podcast, when it becomes live, when we start playing the clip back and watching it, there's no editing that we can do on our end because then it'll be out of sync. So little things where, you know, I'm saying, you know, you got the car up against a wall and I'm talking proverbially. Mm -hmm. I got that. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. But then you realize listening to it and then watching the videos, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Look like an idiot again, but that's the fun. That's what I'm here for. I'm your foil, and it's a community, so we want to have the mistakes pointed out so we can further the conversation and understanding, so it's much appreciated. One other thing that was pointed out is that it was indeed not the rearview mirror we're seeing the reflection in, and I was, or they were seeing him jump onto the top of the car from. It's just a shot out the back of the car, mm -hmm. and I was too afraid to look at it too closely, even though that was kind of the point of the entire podcast. But, you know, it brought me to this new point and really freed me in my lives, my life, and I would like to pass that on to the viewers, is you're familiar with the concept of shock attraction, Sven, juxtapositional editing, the concept that Eisenstein articulated that any two images you put together based on the Kuleshov effect create a third image in the viewer's mind. Yes. And that's what the, I don't know, true edit is or the true image of the moment. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, as a viewer... You know, woman in a car, guy jumping through the back. It, the image created in my mind was that it was in the rearview mirror. And I was wrong. That's not what I was looking at. But that was the image in my mind. And isn't that the greater truth, Sven? So I've tried to take that into my own life. I got pulled over by the cops the other day. They said I ran a red. I said, but in the image in my mind, officer. And then I woke up uh, with, a, with, a, with a sore head in the crazy pen, Sven. So don't take it into life, but use it for your film viewing. Cool, cool. Well, I, I mean, we talked about it. And I looked at it. And then once you pointed out to me that's a rear 
rear view mirror. I could have sworn it was because I looked at it again. So yeah. it's interesting how you create meaning even if it's not there. And sometimes the meaning is different for everybody else. And sometimes it's, uh, it's not even true. Yeah, I verbally juxtaposi juxtapositioned your mind. It was amazing. Amazing. That's Kuleshov. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, onwards and upwards, talk about rough films can, to watch. Can I just add also that I think that person left another comment about the matchbox because I noticed in the editing that there was right. this just <laughs> really emphasized cutaway to the cigarette box. And I didn't know why that is. I wanted to go back. I couldn't find the shot. But he caught up on that, or she, and mm -hmm. um, pointed out that this is a setup for a scene later on where this is actually proof that Mike killed somebody because they find the matchbox matchbook again or the cigarette pack yeah and i texted you about that earlier in the week because after we finished the episode i continued ravenously watching halloween appreciating everything about it learning so much more and that's one of the things yeah the uh maintenance guy or the tow truck driver that he took the infamous coveralls from was, was someone he killed so that makes it spend not a cutaway which it seemed like originally but in fact an insert because inserts are important to the story Cutaways are used to hide mistakes or help with the timing of the scene. Oh, I see. And also, I thought this video, this week's video was super cool, the way that Dennis did it with the sound, the slashes on the title card and stuff like that, and the red rewinding and the flashes at the end were very cool. So, bravo, Dennis. Nice. So, this week, we are doing another uh, suggestion from a listener. So, we're mm. listening to you, doing what you tell us to do. And this one is coming from Gabriel. And he left a comment saying, Have you watched City of God? The editing in this film is so insane. And it's well known. And it's a well known Brazilian film. And yes, I have. But uh, it's been many, many years. I barely remembered the story. Looked around, found a scene. And it just immediately put me into shock. And uh, yeah. so we're going to do this. And. I have to warn everybody, this is probably the toughest scene we've done so far. So if you are somewhat of the, how, how, do, they, how do they say it? You're from what? I don't even know what category this goes. If you're a normal human being with emotions, you may not want to watch this <laughs> or continue listening. Like, there's no one that this is safe for, I don't feel like. Especially out of context. Like I saw the scene and I immediately like, what the fuck? Why is this in a film? And then I watched the film and it made a lot more sense to me in terms of what the character is doing. But still, it's, it's so you be hadn't a rough seen one. it. I had seen it, but I totally forgot about this scene. Well, I did, too. And I think it's because I mean, I remembered it watching it, but I think I literally repressed the scene. It's so disturbing and so realistic and so not out of the question of reality of something that's probably happening this minute that I think I repressed it. Yeah. It's it's kind of like the movie Irreversible. Like, I've seen that movie one time, and I will never see it again mm -hmm. because it's so real and just horrifying that it's just... Even though, I mean, this one, I think it it really deserves to be there with Irreversible. I think it does, <laughs> but it's still... it's it's uh, The shock value is just maybe too big for... Yeah. And, but this one's playing with off-camera violence, whereas Irreversible is very much on camera. And I, because of the, I don't know, extremism of it or the, could we say, the cinema of Irreversible, I remember that vividly. Whereas this, I just shut out. Yeah. Because yeah. it lived kind of occupied a different space that, again, you know, it's suggestive, so you get to imagine. 
Yeah, exactly. Ugh. And I was uh, thinking, thanks, I mean, thanks I looked great at choice, Finn. I looked at some other scenes from the film. I'm like, yeah, should we really want to do this? But it's just, I, I, I don't know. I think, um, I think we should. So, let's well, do we it. have no choice now. We're well, doing it in three, two. No, I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now what? Or let's not do it. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. And uh, Dennis, I feel bad for you because you're gonna have to cut it if you want to do it, obviously. And the way <laughs> that we usually do this is we show a clip, we link to it in the description. So you have the option to actually see the actual scene on YouTube and watch along. Or you can first watch the scene by yourself, then listen to us describe it and analyze it. So City of God is a 2002 film. It is a Brazilian crime film directed by Fernando Mireles. Portuguese name is Citade de Deus. Citade de Deus. I think. Released in its home country in 2002 and worldwide in 2003, it depicts the growth of organized crime in the Cidade de Deus suburb of Rio de Janeiro between the end of the 1960s and the beginning of the 1980s, with the closure of the film depicting the war between the drug dealer Lil Zay and vigilante-turned-criminal knockout Ned. The tagline is, if you run, the beast catches you. If you stay, the beast eats you which is synonymous with you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Film received worldwide critical acclaim, nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Cinematography, Best Director, Best Film Editing, and Best Writing. Um, it was submitted as Best Foreign Film, but did not end up being nominated. Foreign film is always a strong category. Those are my favorite films each year, especially anymore. We should also just add that this film is just like... A I don't know. It's just, there's so many different styles and editing techniques in there. It's like, it feels like a Edgar Wright movie at points and a Guy Ritchie movie. There's there's so many little things that they do with the editing where they do like zooms and freeze frames and all kinds of crazy stuff. And maybe that scene doesn't quite represent that, but just keep that in mind as well, that they're very stylistic. Yeah, it's become a huge reference point. Now Good. I get to disappoint all the people that have studied this relentlessly. Okay, three, two, click. Ooh, there's peanuts in this scene. Maybe it won't get bad. So we are somewhere in the slums of the suburb, Rio de Janeiro, and we see a bunch of kids hiding in like a backyard of just a just a raggedy little shack, and they're talking about what it's like, how they want to be like gangsters and kill people yeah. and stuff, and how they want to be like little Z, who is just right behind them and just hitting one of the kids on the head. And all these kids start running away, squirming away, and they're grabbing one little kid, probably the smallest one, this, by the way, is all oh. shot documentary style, so it feels super real. And so they're cornering yeah. that little kid. We can see the gun in the shot in the foreground. There's another kid that seems to be with the adults. And all the kids yeah. were trying to run away. One didn't make it, so they bring him back. And now they've cornered this little kid and this slightly older boy in the corner and giving them a choice. Uh you want me to shoot you in the foot or the hand and we're just yeah. zooming down on the little kid who now has to make a decision and i guess they're going for the hand 
And little but we also don't even crying. know if this is real, if they're being bluffed or they're being pimped or... You know, this, like that should yeah. be victory enough for him that they let him choose and then he sh- actually shoots them in the feet. And he did. They pick the hand, he shoots them in the foot. And at this point, I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't think he was actually going to do it. I'm relieved at this point. I'm like, oh, it's just a t- one, t- one little toe, the front part. Yes. So then he walks over Could to the worse. other kid that is just standing by and he tells him, well, you need to kill one of the two kids. And you have to do and the it. other one's saying, I'll do it, like it's something they have to do now, that these kids have been shot in the feet because they can't get in trouble. And the other guy's like, I'll do it. Yeah. Like, it has to be done. Like we're, uh. and, and now we're on our protagonist. Little Z is keeping telling them, you need to kill one of the kids. Just do it. Don't waste my time. And this kid just starts crying in a way where you just think this is real. Like, this is happening right now. There's no acting going on here whatsoever. I'm wondering, how did they yeah. make this kid perform like this? And then uh, off camera, he shoots the other Fires kid. off camera, so you think he's faking it. You know, you, uh, it seemed to me like intentionally done as one of those moments where he, you know, just fires the gun but refuses to aim at someone, which has been done so many times. Yeah. And then, nope. You see I the did, kid yeah, I didn't over. have that experience. I was like, oh, he's going to shoot the little kid. And then he turns and he oh. end, ends up shooting the slightly older kid. And we see the older kid like fall over in soft focus. That's as much as we yeah. see of the violence, but it's just like it's imprinted in your head. It's um, yeah. I was just upset when I watched it out of context. Yeah, it's in in rewatching it. It's having watched the scene recently. It's even worse because now you know that they aren't going to get out of it, and it's. Oh, what a what a world we live in. Yeah, so out of context, I just thought, okay, this scene is just there to tell us how rough it is in this neighborhood and how just uh, there are no rules and you just live by the gun. But uh, then watching it in context of the film, I realized, okay, they, this is actually an execution because they're punishing these kids, which are called the runs, mm-hmm. because they were disobeying the uh, the gang yeah. that is ruling in the city of God. And they were the only ones making trouble there, the runs. And they needed to learn a lesson. Which then, in a way, just based on seeing all the violence prior to this scene, I felt a little less <laughs> terrified and disgusted. Um, but it's still still as as intense as it gets when it comes to showing violence yeah. in a film. And if we want to... Yeah. And if you want to go back through it and look at this thing, Sven's talking about the documentary style. And yes. it's an amazing thing because it comes off as if it was filmed. You know, I mean, just stuff was randomly grabbed. We don't know what we're, we're going to be. And yet that's how it was done. And in the editing, it became very strategic in terms of how the footage was used. Or it, that was just a creative decision that was made to have certain whip pans and stuff at certain points beyond the thing we want just to give it that that feel of immediacy and presence. And in all of that, the shot that I think is a really important one as an editor, that's the kind of thing you find in the editing room that's so easy to overlook, is it at about 104. Okay. If we go to 104, we suddenly are on the kid walking off, and we're on our main character, the one who's being formed and whose eyes we're seeing this story through. And it's such a tiny moment in this violence, but it's so, so, so essential to the telling of this story. And it almost seems like the footage they had was like almost an afterthought because he kind of goes out of focus in one shot and the other shot's not. It doesn't convey emotion in the best way. It just seems like he just wants to get out of there. He's disinterested. 
he's tired of it, but it's so, so, so important to kind of subconsciously re associate us with who we're supposed to be seeing this through. So right. it's a very easy thing to overlook as an editor. Cause that's not where the immediate drama intention of the scene is, but that's where the movie is. So it's an invaluable shot to have in there. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I mean, I've cut a ton of films where, um, we, we're using this style exactly where it feels like just run and gun grabbing shots here and there, and then trying to tell a story afterwards, kind of documentary style. And mm -hmm. I, I would assume that, yes, there's some basic planning going on, basic blocking, and they run it a couple of times and just cover it. But some of the freshness, some of the energy is really created by not knowing what's going to happen and the camera people just grabbing this and just being yeah. very keyed in on what's important in the scene and letting them really give them the freedom that they can pick their angles pretty much and just say, okay, just remember it's important that our main character is going to walk off here. We need to get that on camera, but how you do it, that's up to you. And then it's really fun in the editing to, to put it all together. Yeah. And the other thing that's really cool about it too, is the shots that are being picked, all of them, including when he's making a decision whether to shoot or not, the antagonist showing up, these kids crying and being terrified, none of them are done in the way that you're used to in a traditional Hollywood film, let's say, where it's the close-up that you're just on everything perfect and pristine and you're capturing the emotion exactly for that moment of the story and conveying the performance. Instead, these moments that are being chosen for this stuff really feel like accidental grabs that they found yep. it's never really the perfect shot to show the character's expression the performance is never really communicating something specifically it's more they're just experiencing it they're in the moment and it's just being realistic and i think using choosing those shots for this instead of the perfect one with the right shot for every moment including when the kid dies at the end that's a really good example of that no one's going to intentionally choose that as the shot and yet like sven said the soft focus the falling over in the background it's just absolutely perfect in terms of everything you want to accomplish for that moment yeah yeah it takes away it dismantles uh, us as a viewer because there's some comfort in knowing okay this is fake and this is just a reenactment like if i watch a john wick scene which i just did um like mm -hmm. i'm not horrified i'm sort of into it and the violence is worse than this on on screen but it feels yeah. it feels safe because it's all this make-believe here there's no make-believe you're questioning the reality of this like is this happening and if you look for example at shot sh shot Uh, 34 seconds into it the cameraman is kind of like wrapped around the f like this fence that is like closing off this courtyard or whatever you want to call this and it's mm -hmm. it's just shooting through the the wooden posts yeah as the little kid is trying to like s get away like s get through the fence mm -hmm. and get away uh, and is being grabbed and pulled back that shot i mean it feels like the camera is right there in the middle they didn't expect that this this uh, would erupt and everybody's like squirming away and they're just running over the cameraman basically to get away. So th it captures an energy that is incredibly real. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, it captures it in such a great way that's not neat and just feels junky and dirty. And can we go to 39 and just freeze? Okay, going to 39. Yes. Are you Who talking about... the yeah. F word is this dude? Like that's an adult... 
Like, does he walk by and see a child get shot? Like, what does he do when he hears the gunshots? Where's the movie about that guy? Just, yep, yeah, just I'm, a, I'm a carpenter it. just going about his day. Oh, yeah. Hey, oh, you found the door? Yeah, I found a nice door. Anything else going on today? I got some new shoes. Saw a kid get shot to death twice in the foot and then in the heart by another kid his age. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, it's a bystander, and he's holding whatever he's working on, and these kids are just running past him. And also the way the camera is capturing this, it's like from around the corner, long lens, like witness footage that nowadays we get to see so much when, like, something happens somewhere, a riot breaks out, and suddenly there's there's something going on. Suddenly everybody pulls their cell phones out and starts capturing. This, This is what this feels like even though this is in 2002 and this was all shot in f- with film. But it does feel like it's just run and gun grabbed and this guy is just as helpless as most people will react in a situation like this. You're seeing in an accident, you're just standing around and doing nothing. That's 85% of everybody. Yeah. But can you imagine just kids holding other kids at gunpoint around the corner? I mean, let me throw my wild theory in here real quick. So wild theory at 101 to let the listeners debate on uh, Patreon or YouTube. 101, does the kid on the right, can we discern, and I can't for sure, whether or not he has a squib on, was it planned for this to be a much more traditionally filmed scene where you see the violence and then they just made a more creative choice in the editing it's not a statement. It's a question for well, the listener. I'm looking at a free so we can. I don't see anything. All right. Well, the question's out there. I'm looking at all the shots. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't tell you. So I was going to go to 43, 45. Love this shot as much as you can love anything about this scene. With the gun in the foreground. 345? Uh, 45 seconds. Zero, zero, 45. Oh, 45 seconds. Okay. So you see the gun in the foreground. The kid is not even looking at the gun. The kid is just looking at the grown-ups. And the irony that they just picked the smallest one, right? That's what you do. The Mm. smallest one didn't get away. He's the most adorable. Yeah. And he's the best actor of all of them. Uh. I don't know. I have no clue of how they got this kid to react the way it did. I mean, hopefully it wasn't as easy as it looks. Yeah. It's just actually terrified him with a gun. But anyhow. Um, yeah, so there are a lot of whip pans. I'm just, I'm keep watching. I'm at 111. We're going down on the kid as they Jesus need to decide Christ. about the hand. So pan down at 115 to the hand. Yeah. And you can tell at this like point a... how tough these kids get because the older one doesn't even cry. He just sort of makes this decision. I guess it's my hand then. While the other one is yeah, so it's young. All, but they, I don't know if they really even believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just seems like the other one know what's happening is also. So, so young and like he buys into this fantasy. Like we think it's going to be a fantasy. He's just teaching him a lesson. But he's not. Yeah. He's uh, that serious. Uh yeah, this thing is played through too many times where I see these kids getting their little feet shot, knowing that these guys are planning, knowing that these guys have to kill them going into it. And now that they're like torching them, shooting their feet, I can't, I think, I I don't think I can take anymore. How many cameras I do think you I, think that they shoot with? I, uh, so, sorry, did I show not enough compassion two? for you? <laughs> 
Um, two? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm kidding. I want to say more. Definitely two. I feel like they would have to do this over and over again if they shot with just two. But also, at some point, where do they go? You know, when, yeah. once you got two in there, the third one's not getting the shot from far back because the camera people are in there. Yeah. And it is film also, you know, so I'm sure there is that, that pragmatic thing that we miss now in movies where people actually do kind of make some of the calculated decisions I was talking about. Like, yeah. oh, we can cover it by getting whip pans from this angle and then let's I, get all our, let's just get a bunch of inserts, whip it around, get some inserts, and that ends up being most of the scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about reality shows like Survivor, they have like 10 cameras and yeah. you don't see any of them because they're so well prepared. In, in the yeah, but you can tell this is this is real. Like you can tell the camera person, especially with these inserts. At like where I stopped watching at one twenty six, yeah. um, is where you can just tell it's in close. You know, like there's a dude in there, and it's going to be kind of hard to. Right. I don't know. So between else and, between two and three cameras is probably safe to assume. Maybe yeah. you know. Maybe uh, on one two, of the listeners two, actually has some insights on how they physically pulled this mm-hmm. off. Yeah, and the last thing I would volunteer for this is cameras are expensive. You know what I mean? Like two film cameras, that's that's a pricey uh, acquisition. So I don't know. You know, it's very reasonable that it may just be one for yeah. a film like this. But it, um, I mean, overall, the film looks like it wasn't cheap to pull off. I mean, they have crane shots right. and, and yet, they have all kinds of stuff going on. That's kind of why it's such an endearing masterpiece. It is. And I mean, it enduring? is so gritty and so real that it really sets itself apart from a like a Guy Ritchie or Edgar Wright movie that sort of plays with the same language but um this just takes it takes it to a different darker level I would say yeah oh, this movie broke me Sven yeah so if you thought we went over the edge and this went too far. Do let us know in the comment section for wherever you are. And uh, we'll try and find something better, lighter. Not better. Possibly better. But lighter I'm, next I'm, time. It's it's literally Halloween tonight. And I just feel like drawing the drapes and going to bed. I can't. You know what I mean? I don't need to, This is as horrifying as I can take. Uh, um, yeah, next week we'll suggest a comedy or a heist movie. Good. But do um, watch... Do watch City of God if you haven't. It's well worth your time, and it's good to keep watching great movies, not just what's out today, but great movies from the past to um, put yourself on a diet of just clean art. And uh, let us know if you find that squib. (laughs) Totally. Sorry. Yeah, so check it out. Subscribe to the podcast. Just click that subscription button. I think you can leave a review quite easily. And most importantly, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, if you think maybe we're a couple fools, you need to build an army to hate on us, tell a friend about the podcast. Send them our way. We love the feedback. For sure. And thank you to Curter for the music. And as Sven always says, happy editing. And I think what we should do the first time around, I think we didn't quite do that in Halloween, and you can cut this out. We didn't really describe what was happening. We were already like talking about what it means. Yeah. Um, so I know I screwed up. That's that's not it's a horrible. That. It's also a horrible video because of me. Um, that's okay. <laughs> One of the podcast episodes has to be the worst one. That's just the rule. So.
It might just yeah. be the one that has the most listeners so far and not be our best. Ooh. 